Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello. This is Recap the Nation, a Fake the Nation bonus where we take some of your favorite pop culture films and TV shows and we recap the bejesus out of them. Today, we are throwing ourselves into the back of house and front of house disorder that is The Bear, season two, episodes nine and ten. Don't worry, regular episodes of Fake the Nation will still appear um, in this very feed on Thursdays, as they always do, but for today. And until the show is done, we'll be digging into the culinary chaos that is The Bear on FXN. Hulu. Now, um, joining me today is just, it's, um, it's a panel. It is like, it's like the, it's, it's the, uh, it's the ever, it's the nomad, it's the French laundry, um, level comedians that I have joining me today. Okay. So what you're getting is three Michelin star comics. (laughs) Um, first up, You've seen her on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, who also agrees that she's a three Michelin star comic. Um, You can see her live in Austin, headlining a show with one of my other favorite comedians, Kendra Cunningham, um, because she's part of the Austin Comedy Film Festival, one of her films, and then she'll be performing in Austin on July 30th at the Creek in the Cave, Um, so you should immediately get your tickets and make this night a possibility for yourselves, because you will not have more fun than what you can have by seeing the one and only Leah Bonama. Thank you, Nagin. I didn't mean to say 
thing, but I just was so moved by what you just, honestly, nobody makes me feel like you do. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to talking about these episodes with you too so much. Oh my God. I'm so excited. And I am so excited to hear the thoughts of our next panelist, who you've heard on this very recap pod many a time. And you've heard him on Fake the Nation many of the time. I've gotten to work with him many a time, and I'm going to get to work with him again in the future, which is an announcement we'll make it another time. But um, he is, uh, he's got a book out. Okay. This book has already been announced. Like, he's already going to be a guest on The View because of this book. So you might as well just do your pre-order now. It's called Round Here and Over Yonder. And it is a book with him and um, co-writer... Uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on... Trey Crowder. Oh, Crowder. Jesus Christ. I was like, Trey, Trey, <laughs> Trey. Um, Trey Crowder, you've also heard on Faith and Asia. Um, so this book is just... It's available for pre-order. And the thing with books is pre-order them from bookshop.org or whatever your favorite local bookseller and um, or whatever behemoth that you should do, but you probably don't because you're a fake nation listener. Uh, <laughs> and and do that because because that, the pre-orders really make a big difference in the way these books perform. Um, and I know it's going to be fucking hilarious because it is written by the wonderful Corey Ryan Forrester. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Nagin. Yes, pre-orders do help a lot. We're actually, I'm, I'm happy to announce that we are the number one book in travel humor. Thank you to all the fake the nationers who pre-ordered it the last time yes. I was on and helped us do that. Uh, thank you for calling me the French laundry of comedians. That, uh, <laughs> I, Ironically, one of the first things I did when we wrote our first book and got a li- the first time I ever had money in my life, the first mm-hmm. thing I did with it was I flew my mom to Napa and uh, took her to the French Laundry because that was one of her bucket list things. Uh, mm. So it really, and really good if you want to- love it? Was it oh, amazing? Oh my God. Oh yes, she did. I mean, listen, it's not something that you want to do every week or even every 10 years. But uh, <laughs> if you do have if you do have any type of money to literally light on fire, I suggest it. It's very good. Light it on fire in this fashion. Um, yeah. I love that. Well, folks, it also, if you have any money that you want to light on fire, you can do that at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and you can support the show. Maybe you've been getting a couple of episodes of Fake the Nation and then, uh, you know, a, 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 a recap pot a week. Maybe you've just been dying for more. Well, you can get more at, at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. We do bonus episodes of the show um, with all of your favorite panelists. And we also do a bonus essay that can be ridiculous. And we could do... We do T-shirts and mugs, and there's just a bunch of stuff. You can support the show, um, and and hopefully you will. And thank you so much to everyone who does. You're so – you too are Michelin-starred in my mind. Um, now let us get into episode number nine, Omelette. Now, I just want to warn listeners, I kind of feel like these two episodes – are gonna run together. So if we if we say things that land like you know that go into episode ten or whatever, doesn't matter. Like this is just like there's a lot of feelings that I think we all have, um, and they're gonna be messy. Um, but um, again, we start this episode with a lovey-dovey cold open with Carmen and Claire Bear. They're happy. Other shoes dropping. No one's keeping track of shoes. Okay. <laughs> um, and we have an interesting conversation between Sid and her dad that really hit home for me. And I want to talk about it. He says, like, why well, put so much pressure on this one? And on, you know, basically on this opening on this restaurant. And she says, because I don't know if I can do another one. And... I want to talk about this because this is exactly how I felt. Um, I feel this way about making movies. So, 
so listeners might know I've, I've made I've directed three feature films um and produced four and it's um it's so it's and and there's been there's been a gap like the my last one came out 26 17 and there's a you know and I can see why filmmakers will put like a huge gap in between making movies because the energy required to do another one it is like opening a restaurant every time you know what I mean it's like sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> it sucks the life out of you and I uh I just it's like after I made that last one I was like god I don't know I don't know if I could do another one like I don't know if I can destroy my spirit and then rebuild it again um, because that's kind of what happens, right? And um, and that happens, I think, too, after you've done an hour, after you've unveiled an hour of comedy, and then you're like, oh, God, I have to do another, a new hour of comedy. I have to, like, rebuild from the fucking dregs of the goddamn bottom and b- build it up again. It's so hard. Um what did you think about this conversation? And again, because I've established a thousand times over the comedy, the comedian chef connection. What did What did you think about um, Sydney's feelings on this, Corey? You yeah okay. I will take it. I was not going to speak <laughs> over anyone. I was going to be. I was going to wait to be called on. Yeah, I'm trying too. to be a good boy. Uh, uh, you guys no, are both I mean, really good students. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if 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 you hadn't have said, "Oh no, here's another comedian connection," I was certainly going to hear because this really reminded me of conversations that I've had mainly with my mother. Um, mm-hmm. My my dad is a creative person, and he sort of understands it a little bit. Uh, we don't, but me and him just don't have as much communication as with me and my mom. But like, it reminds me of so many conversations I've had with my mom, where like you can look, you can see her dad, and like. He is trying to be supportive. He thinks he's saying all the right things, but he just don't get it. You know what I mean? He's not he doesn't realize that he's diminishing a dream. He he again, he's not trying to do that, but that's what's happening where she's just like you don't no no no. This is really important. This is really hard. This is my thing. Like th- this is it. Like to you, it might just be like, "Well, if this don't work out, you can do this." But it's like, "No, if this doesn't work out, I'm not complete as a person." You don't understand. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's how it is in in comedy and in art. Like I remember when I was either filming my special or my book, my mom would be like, "She's such a loving woman." And like, you know, she's told me a million times, she's like, look, I can't be happy unless you're happy. When my baby's hurting, I'm hurting. You know, it's still, I'm 36 years old. She's still like that with me. Yeah. But she would just be like, it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter if blah, blah, blah. And I, and like, here's the deal. Ultimately, she does end up being right. She does. (laughs) But in that moment, but in that moment, I can't fucking hear that because you don't understand, mom. If... Harper Collins is not going to get, let me write another book. They're not going to give me the money to write another book if this one isn't successful. Yeah, I can I can do one, but I have to self publish, and it's going to be tanked. And like when I do this special, it's getting paid for right now. But the next one, I'll have to do completely on fucking spec. You don't get it. This is the most important thing right now. And then you know it's not. <laughs> but, but 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 that felt so real. Uh, but I do love that her dad is being supportive. I mean, also, interestingly, Leah, your parents are both artists. Yes. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think about you You've been in delusional forever. Yeah, I think about you in those scenes because I'm like, do her parents have scenes 
like that or you know what I mean? Well, my parents have actively not wanted me to be an artist um, because <laughs> yes. I think they were like, of course, do you want to live like this? Um, <laughs> they're like our, you know, they were like, you got in for school for math and what happened? You were going to be the first <laughs> one with a regular <laughs> savings account and yeah, didn't yeah. have health care that was just tea tree oil. So... <laughs> I also came into the scene because I felt like we had just seen what Carmi wanted, which he's getting his, which is a loving relationship, sort of, you know, and then we see, mm -hmm. oh, here's mm -hmm. Sid. And then what she wants is this recognition from her father and for the relationship to work. P.S. Side note, the relationship with Carmi divided my household uh, oh, because God. I was angry at it. And it makes me worry that I'm slightly heartless. And <laughs> my wife was Wait, like, you were angry. Wait, explain that to me. You were angry that he was happy or what were you angry? Yes, at? I was like, this is not how you're going to make the restaurant work. <laughs> Um, and wow. it annoys you and fucking me. Uncle Cicero. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I definitely and I. I worry about myself that I, I felt that I really did. And you know, D Dustin was like, he needs love. Like this is important for his. And I was like, fuck this. He's unfocused. <laughs> Everybody else is focused. So he gets to have this like feeling part of his life. Now's not the time. And then I was like, I need to check myself in somewhere. But so then we, get to, I was like, he's got his love. Now we're going to get her scene where her dad says something. And then just like you both said, I was like, nope, said the wrong thing. Meant the right thing, but didn't quite which. So it's a nice, well, I won't say until we get there. Nice transformation for what happens later. But you know, he came from the right place and then the words that came out were not what she... You know, I had a conversation. I think, Leah, I've told you this story before. Maybe I've said it on the show, but I, I had a conversation once with my dad where... So he's a surgeon, right? So he did like his like 12 years up front or whatever, <laughs> slightly more because he had to do the immigration and then redo a bunch of his residency in the United States. But... It, but sur surgery, it doesn't, it's not like it makes fucking sense. But like you do a bunch of work for very little money and at backbreaking and you and you're, you know, you do days at a time where you're just awake. Right. Especially in the 70s and 80s where they had fewer rules about this. And then later you're rewarded with cash. Right. Like let, if you can survive those like 12 years or whatever, then you get some money. And um, and it's not like it's 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 not how it necessarily is in I in in chefery and comedy and whatever. Right. It's not necessarily what we're talking about. Um, it's like a labor that may not pay off. And then this, so this is what my dad. So I was talking about and, and it must have been like my movie coming out or like something and me just feeling. And I said to him. This was so this was like a while ago. This was before I really made any. I made just enough to like live on, but I wasn't making that much. And I said, I'm sorry I don't make that much money. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that I asked you guys if you have miles that I could use to come home for Christmas. You know what I mean? I'm so sorry. And he said, Why are you apologizing? You're an artist. And sometimes I'm gonna cry. Uh, and sometimes it's your life's work won't be recognized at the time that it's supposed to, you know? You're an artist, scientist. Scientists will work their whole lives trying to in, um, discover something, a cure for something, and they're not going to see the cure, you know? But they're building, they're doing building blocks. And the payoff will be after they're dead. 
And maybe right. that it's, that's the case for you. And who knows? It doesn't matter. But you're building. And that's what's important. And so this man, my dad, said this thing to me. He said like six things to me my whole life. But this is one of the things. <laughs> this is one of the things. And it was so. And it, and it made me understand that he fucking understands mm-hmm. that I'm doing something that may have literally never see a reward. But I... I'm compelled to do it. And and I think that's the conversation that everybody like wants to be able to have with with a parent who doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and uh and it's hard. And also that said, Leah, like, I don't want Rika to fucking be in the arts. <laughs> like every time she's I, like, likewise. let's do a dance routine. I'm like, no, we're not doing it. You know what? We're going to do a science routine. Okay. Yes. That's what we're doing right now. Like I totally just do. I have one. I know I have no interest in her being in there. So this, this conversation really fucking uh, hit home for me. Now there's a lot of fucking mom, dad shit in this episode because we find out that, that Natalie has invited her mom to the opening the friends and family night. I know, Leah. Talk to me about this. This uh, you put your hands on your head, and uh, you're you're so upset. Why Why are you upset? This was another where I th- I I was just had tissues with me because I knew. <laughs> and earlier, I I this was another. Th- I threw it. I threw up in the air. I threw it up in the air. Why? Because I feel like we learned so much about Natalie in the in the Christmas scene where she needs this um, relationship with her mother. She needs this recognition from her mother. She needs this thing from her mother that her mother is incapable of giving because of who her mother is. And she just can't stop herself from saying, um, you know, mom, what is it? Do you, do you, are you okay? Or, you know, and she wants to help. And this thing that her mom, it's just, her mom's not going to do it. Uh, water from a stone. And um, so then we thought we've moved on. And in this moment, she says, I invited mom. And. Why? I, uh, you yeah. want to be like, why are you doing this to yourself? It's the biggest yeah. night. There's so much riding on this. You're bringing in an emotionally volatile. You're throwing a firecracker into what is already quite possibly a total fire because you need her to give you something that she cannot give you. And it's like you see little Natalie and you want to be like, just give her a, like a rock and be like a rocking hug and be like, she isn't going to be able to provide you with this emotional thing that you need from her and you're setting yourself up it's such a bonehead fucking move like i you know i get it you love your mom whatever but like natalie's been so stressed out she's had the conversation with uncle cicero like this has to work everything has to be perfect and then to fumble possibly fumble the ball on the goal line in the fourth quarter when all you had to do was take a fucking knee you know like it's crazy because like and I listen, I get it. It's going to hurt. It might hurt the mom's feeling if you don't invite her. But we find out later she hadn't even told her she's fucking pregnant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like Talk why, about hurting you know what, the mom's feeling. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm saying. So like you clearly don't. I don't. But yeah, this is it's sort of like selfish of Natalie a little bit to be like, my validation is more important than this restaurant working, I guess. But like, dude, I, there's people that I love who like I got one of my best friends. Um, love him to death. He'd do anything for me. He's one of those types of guy. He's also, though, one of the most loud, obnoxious, crippling drunks that there have ever been in the world. He's not coming to my table, my, my special taping. He's not. Yeah. Like he's just yeah. fucking not. Like, like and and I'll have to deal with the fact that it hurt it, it didn't hurt his feelings for the record because he's sort of self-aware, but like 
man, when it's this big of a moment, you got to just think of everybody's got to be a little selfish. You know what I, I mean, mean? Yeah, absolutely. And But, you know, it's interesting because I don't know if I think it's not she's not being I, she's not being crazy. She's just she's engaging in the kind of wishful thinking. She thinks a right. miracle's going to happen. And every time she thinks a miracle's going to happen. And I think that we've all like I think I still do this with my parents where like I want them to behave in a certain way and they don't do it. And yeah. every time I think this is the time they're going to yep. have learned and they're going to do it right and they don't do it. And it's like I think we engage in that kind of wishful thinking all the time. But what I also want to hear Corey is your take on focus because you mentioned the scene with Cicero really laying it out on the line. Leah is a monster who thinks that Carmen shouldn't have love because he needs to have focus. <laughs> not right now. It's We're, not the week for it. It's not the week for it. I mean, like, I get that. Um, Corey, <laughs> like, what is, can you achieve this job without life-consuming focus? And that goes for any basically elite performance at any profession, you know, of any profession. It depends. Um, I, most of the time I would say no. Like you can be a, like I, I genuinely think you can be a successful comedian if you have a really good work-life balance. I only say that because I consider myself pretty successful, not majorly successful, but like there is part of me that knows like, Corey, you're never going to be considered the greatest because you just don't put everything into it. And I accept that. That's fine. I I, I don't know. Like I, there, there's no way Tom Brady becomes Tom Brady unless he is neglecting kids' birthdays and missing dinner. There, there's not. There is not. But my but my thing is that, like, I've fallen in love with Carmi so much that I want him to understand that he doesn't have to be the best in order to be fulfilled. Because something that I learned not that long ago, this is, like, through therapy, and thank God for that, I used to genuinely believe, like, if every, if I wasn't the most respected or considered great or whatever, I ha would have no happiness. And then, like, it became clear to me that, like, the work is the reward. You know what I mean? Like the work in itself is the reward. Doing what you love is the reward. It doesn't fucking matter if so-and-so thinks you're the best. If you're doing shit that you like and you're still putting food on the table, it's cool. But like I'm with Leah in the sense that like, no, if you want to be the number one Michelin star restaurant motherfucker, you have to cut certain things out of your life. I just don't want Carmi to do that. I want him to go, you know what? It's cool to make sandwiches or it's cool to be the 10th best restaurant in Chicago uh, yeah. because yeah. because be, because at the end of the day like you think all that shit's going to make you happy but none of that will make you as happy as having good relationships and a good social life none of it like yeah. fucking none of it and I, and I know that for a fact because like I was deep into the whole fucking you know ignore the women in my life ignore everybody and I was fucking miserable and now I I focus more on relationships and I'm happy as fuck, you know, Yeah, <laughs> pretty in a pretty good space. And I think you can have a life where, you know, I think, again, like we, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, tremendously successful, but I have some measure of success. And I think there's things that I miss right from my daughter's life. I fucking miss some things because I'm on the road. Right. So there are still things that I miss, but I'm trying not miss more. Right. So I try and right. be around for a majority of the things and, um, try and have a, you know, a meaningful relationship. And I prioritize that. And I still also still prioritize comedy. Like, it's just like, that's, you know what I mean? That's what's happening. And, uh, and it's, it, it's not, it's difficult to do all these things. I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult to like 
keep friendships alive with this fucking business. I think it's difficult oh, yeah. to keep um health uh alive. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. so easy to become literally physically ill with this kind of all-consuming work or whatever because you're just not putting any attention into anything else. But you can it you there's ways of doing it so that all of that works out and that you, maybe you're not the first, but you're like, you know, you're still top tier and that's pretty fucking great. Um, May I just add really quickly, because yes. I came off like a heartless monster. That- Which I, I get it, because <laughs> we've all lived that, right, Leah? You're like, right, You've done though. this thing. <laughs> you're right. Like, we've all done this where we've cut everybody out so that we can fucking get a project launch. Like, I, I you know, I get it. He's in the beginning stages of a relationship yes. where it's, True. Uh, you know, it's it's the poet. Oh, oh, you know, it's all in your mind. He's missing <laughs> phone calls, He, which comes back yeah. and gets him for it. But uh, he... Yeah. If he could just be like, hey, I really like you. Can we not like do this all the time for two weeks? I got to focus. And it doesn't have to be like no relationship, but like you don't have to be in like the the early stages of like, I'm going to give you a poem right at this exact moment. And what made me so mad is that he's got his pregnant sister who is at the restaurant 24 hours a day and Sydney, who's abandoned her whole life walking around neighborhoods by herself, you know, trying out food and something they're supposed to be in on 50-50 while he's like feeding his emotional soul because he didn't get the love he needed from his family. I just feel like, you know what? How nice for you that you have this extra time <laughs> while two women are holding down the fort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just put yeah. it off for two weeks. Wait until the yeah. opening. Why are you guys yeah. texting each other right now? You know, Leah, I got to be honest, because love is intoxicating. Don't but- act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> love fucking takes, or you become crazy in those weeks, those early weeks. You're fucking nuts. You're not oh, yeah. behaving normal. You're too happy. What's, you're fucking on mushrooms. It's like, it's crazy. You know, love is intoxicating. So I get that he can't, he doesn't have the discipline to put, to like tell her, you know, give me two weeks. Like, I mean, I get it. Um, I'm just upset by it because I, I am an emotionally 100%. cold person. <laughs> and and I also like I and I don't know. I don't know if you know this, Leah, but like when me and Jason first started dating was when I was filming my my last movie, Third Street Blackout, available now on Peacock. Ooh. And it was um we we met and then a couple months later I was shooting this movie and the pre-production going into shooting movie is just fucking crazy and like you know you've got a crew of 20 you've got all these people asking you questions you've got all these vendors you've got all these fucking you know it's it's really 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 um a head fuck with so many minor elements that if one of them goes wrong you're stuck in a refrigerator right like yeah. there's just so that's what filmmaking is it's just like you have to keep you know, at any given moment, there's like 43 moving objects that you have to like keep in place and it's insane. And I had just met the man I was then going to marry. You know what I mean? And I, Mm -hmm. so I feel this so hard because I was like, but I want to see Jason, but I have to make a movie. Like it was so ridiculous and it it was a really hard thing to juggle but um, you did make your movie correct and focus i did because I did. you were like this isn't the time and i'll see him I afterwards also, i think the other reason that i was able to do it because i'm a little bit more emotionally mature than carmen <laughs> who's like not only 
Is he like trying to juggle, but he also like doesn't understand feeling love. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) he doesn't fucking understand it. So he's just like, what? Like he's just confounded by his experience, right? Whereas I was like, oh, this is phenomenal. I think I'm falling in love with this guy. Also, I, you know, I was was easily able to name my feelings. Like I think he's just so dumbstruck by the entire experience that he can't function in the other aspect of his life, which I think is not necessarily the case for me, who was like more like mature, like literally. Um, Now let's talk about the Sydney and Carmen conversation under the table. That felt like, you know, and, and, and here's the thing, Corey, you're someone who works very closely with certain other comics, right? Like this was a partnership conversation. Oh Yeah. And did you feel like, how did you feel about where they landed together? Um, is this a partnership of equals in your mind? Um, you know, I think that, that uh, Sydney was finally able to get over to Carmi. Like, hey, uh, you know, you haven't really been meeting me halfway here. And there's this sort of undercurrent of like, hey, buddy, if this doesn't work out for you, you can go back to New York. I can't do that shit. You know what I mean? Like... This needs to be equal. Now, there is still that elephant in the room of like, we talked, it was several episodes ago. She doesn't really exactly know what the partnership is, if it's equals or if it's whatever. But I thought it was a tender moment. Now, it was kind of wild because while it was happening, I was going, guys, you're opening in 25 fucking minutes. What are you doing here worrying about this fucking table? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and having a slow conversation. A, a very slow burn while uh, Pearl Jam plays yeah. uh, in the background, which I, I was a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that it was a it was a good moment, but it was certainly calm before the storm. And, uh, you know, we, we see them sort of I thought like, oh, great. Everything is, you know, they're doing this a lot. They're doing their little chest rubby McConaughey thing. I'm like, all right, you know, they're good. And then, you know, obviously the, the tension hits them afterwards. I thought it was great. I liked the lighting with them both on the floor. Yeah. Um, I just thought I also thought I really am so impressed with their shots in this. You know, Beautiful. you're like, oh, we get another you know, it's a full other physicality. They're both laying down. They're fixing this thing under the table. Um, and then he, 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 he says, you make me better. Um, yeah. And like he, he wouldn't and he wouldn't want to do it with it with anyone else. Wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. And that's what I really wanted, because I, I was upset that she wasn't getting being met halfway. And they both have so much writing. It, but he does have more of a of a. um a resume. Yeah, and if he falls, he has more. But then he says, we'll do it. I did like that he said, hearkening back to the conversation that you, we talked about as an artist and her regarding her father, that we will just keep working if this one thing doesn't happen. We'll figure it out. We'll move forward. And it was very, I felt, especially with the light and their resting poses, it was like a calming moment right before you know what's about to hit. I know. They're like physically grounded. They're vulnerable because they're like at times holding up a table oddly with their like shoulders. Like it's, you know, it was the, the physicality created this like ability for them to just like say some shit um, that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily normally say under the harsh light of outside the table. Uh, so I really did. I really did love how they filmed that. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll dive into episode 10. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app 
that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, educational app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back. And now let's talk about episode 10, The Bear. I just want to point out just like a little filmmaking stuff. They had blue title credits on this, like at the, at the top of the episode, which is interesting. It was just sort of like, are you guys ready? Like we're opening a new thing and it's called The Bear and it's got blue title credits. You know what I mean? Um, so they have these little like interesting little um, just filmmaking flourishes. Um, and and one of the things we got to see really for the first time is the restaurant. Uh, we can actually take a look at it what I mean how did it look to you Corey you feel like they they created the right uh, thing the kitchen uh, when I when I ate at the French laundry you actually got to go on a tour of the kitchen and stuff and like it very much felt like okay they nailed this like that kitchen looked so familiar to me because it it looked like Thomas Keller's kitchen uh, so yeah it looks nice now I, I don't I don't know if I cared for um the 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 tables they looked a little just kind of, I don't know, regular restauranty to me. I certainly agree with Carmian that I did not like that fucking picture that uh, Nat picked out. Yes. I thought that was dog shit. 
Um, but yeah, no, lo- love the restaurant. It's modern. It's classy. It's like high tech kitchen. I would kill to have that kitchen. Yeah, you know, I ate it like a fancy fancy in in Paris um, last summer, and they had that same exact kind of kind of window where you can like peer in mm-hmm. and see the chefs like bowing their heads and like diligently working at a countertops and kind of like not understanding what they're doing, but like seeing them in action and also seeing them fully focused in action because I kept like peering over to see what I could see of the chefs. Um, I thought that was great. And then the other thing that filmmaking ways that they did was every time that you go from back of house to front of house, they had this incredible sound design and we're probably walking from one set to another, but they, you know, they created this feeling of one, of, of one shots. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, they could have been one shots, but I think they actually, it felt like to me what I would have done was two different locations and you kind of fake a little cut in there that looks like a one shot. But, um, um, it, it, you know, so you they would you would follow someone going into the room, dealing with a cus- de- de- dealing with a client or whatever, and then walking back into the kitchen. Crazy sound design. So we go from like the kind of like controlled, delightful vibe of the front of house into the like more chaos, fast pace, like um, tinny sounding, uh, um, fluorescent, harsh fluorescent lighting of the of back. Um, of the kitchen. And I thought that was really amazing. Leah, what did you think of the space? I loved that. I loved, and coming, I watched these rolling, rolling right into each other. I don't know yeah, if anybody yeah. else had more self-control than that. But I, <laughs> so coming from the last scene, right, where they were like, they the three of them were up front and they did like a, for the guy. And then uh, Natalie came out and then they opened the lock. So I felt like, and then they, when we go back to the next episode, um, Oh, excuse me. And then he comes out in his chef's outfit. I believe it's ACDC. It is. <laughs> so it is. it's like we're going into this more shiny, yeah. loud, and then they open the lock and you're like, it's the big show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. Wow. And then I loved that with the, we have that like blue and that's a totally different lighting in the kitchen. And then we're cutting to, as you guys were saying, this other lighting and other sound design in the um actual re- the front I thought it was very well done and I I particularly liked it as a run straight from the past episode with the lock locking walking into this now we're on now it's the performance big night here we go and it was like that big especially with the ACDC or like you know yes absolutely and um and there's so then there's this moment and this is I think I mean, just fucking incredible because if I'm in the writer's room trying to figure out like you don't want it just to like the to fail. Right. It's not like the idea isn't like, oh, this night fails or whatever. Like that's the big problem. So they have to come up with like another problem. Um, And there is a moment where they can't find Josh. He's one of the new guys. They can't find him. (laughs) They've also run out of forks. It's also taking too long to get everything to the tables. And then fucking Carmen gets stuck in the refrigerator. (laughs) Corey. Talk to me about all of well, that. Well, I was waiting for it to happen. I was I was waiting yeah. for it to happen because the refri- like I think it was like honestly, hell, it might have been the entire season where the fridge gets mentioned at least once, you know. And it's like we all know, yeah. you know, filmmaking a couple times. Yeah, filmmaking yeah. one hundred and one. Don't show a gun in the first act unless you're going to use it in the third act. I, so the whole time yep. I'm like, this fridge is not gonna 
it's going to end with something spectacular. Didn't know didn't yeah. know that it was going to be Carmi getting locked in the fridge, but God damn it, that's perfect. I mean, Brilliant. there can be there's I can't imagine a more stressful thing than opening night of my restaurant and I am literally trapped in a freezer. Can do nothing about it except for uh, scream. You know, and the com- yeah. and, and before we talk about that scene with him and Richie, I would just like to say that, you know, going back and forth from the kitchen to the front room and it having a different tone, kind of our transition character that's always bringing us through those is Richie, who is fucking yeah. killing it on both Killings. sides of it. Now, I don't know if I buy that he would immediately be this good just by being somewhere for one week. However, it is awesome to see, like, literally a different person. Like, he's wearing the new, he's like, babe, by the way, I wear suits now. I don't know what to tell you, I wear suits now. He <laughs> He's so confident. Yep. He seems so happy, and he's doing a great fucking job. Like this former dirtbag who like couldn't even get the electricity working is like, you know what? This is the show, baby. We're getting that star. Um, but yeah, man, the that was the perfect like whoever came up with. Hey, let's just lock Carmi in the goddamn fridge. We need a problem. Is good stuff. I know. And why does he get locked there? Because he's too busy thinking about his relationship. Because he fucked up. Because he wasn't focused. And I I knew I was angry for a reason starting three episodes with all these love scenes. (laughs) There's there's also Leah. So there's let's can we talk about the Jamie Lee Curtis moment? So the mom does show up. She shows up to the front and then the fucking least likely. What's that guy's name? Uh, Least likely Pete. Pete. The uh, what's her face? Natalie's husband, Pete. Goes out, sees her. It's like, come on in. Everyone's over. I've got a seat for you. It's going to be great. And she is just, she can't do it. Um, Leah, did, what did you learn about? I learned about I mean, Pete. This just felt yeah, like a, right. an unlikely scene. Yeah, yeah. What did you learn? I feel like I refuse to get emotional. Um, uh, but I, I, he does feel like a win. But I also feel like I actually wrote, Pete is so lovely. He, um, you see why their relationship, he steps up. I feel like he wants his wife to feel this love from her mother that she's never going to get. And um, she's just incapable. And I see, you see this incapability in this scene. It's too much for her. Um, And there is a, she, I, I'm sort of divided on the scene because a lot of you feel, a lot of me feels like I wish she couldn't, I wish she could stop being so selfish, but she can't. It's a part of her mental illness. And she also at the same time recognizes, I can't go in there. This is their big night. I love them so much. I'm going to do something. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. And um, he's like, wants her to come in for his wife. But then he also gets put in this position where she needs him to tell me it's okay that I can go away. Yeah. She needs him to release her. Release her. And I I was so divided because I wanted to be like, tell her it's not okay. That she needs to stop acting this way and be a fucking real mom. And you know what I mean? But then she's not capable. And I think he gave her that. And then obviously he spilled the beans about her being pregnant. Um, and I think her mother handled that better than she could have. Yeah. Uh, she didn't ha- cause a scene outside. And then he goes back inside. Obviously, he's crying. And he doesn't throw the night off for Natalie by saying, um, your mom was outside. He says, I think we can forgive her for this one. It was probably too much, which I thought was a solid move on his part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I want to say, too, I was getting hints that the death of Michael and the fact that Carmi has returned and has not reached out to her 
has led to some transformation on her part. Like, I don't think she was the same mother in episode six, you know? I think she had, I'm not saying she was fucking all healed, but I do, but she was self-aware enough to know that she shouldn't go in there. And I thought that was a departure for her. And the way that she handled the finding out that the daughter's pregnant, a departure for her. Like, I think I was just like, oh, are we seeing a mother realizing that the chickens have come home to roost, that she's not close to these kids because of what she's done to them? Um, I got that feeling. And I also felt like, okay, so maybe in the next season, we're going to see more of of her. Um, And then, okay, so then... Uncle gets a special chocolate banana and cries. Incredible. Right, because they're showing that the ser- service in this restaurant um, is above and beyond. Uh, they found Josh, the fucking guy that was missing. He was smoking crack in the back, which was hilarious. Where Marcus is like, I'm pretty sure I have to fire you, but like, let me go check. And Sid's like, fucking yeah, fire that guy. He's gone. I think you need to um, see how Carmen- he works after the crack first, frankly. Like, give him, a, give him a chance. Well, I, I think I think Marcus was like, he really did a great job with those carrots or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think he said something like that. We're just like, oh, okay. Um, and then a thing happened. So when Carmen gets stuck in the fridge and fucking Sid has to take over, Richie has to do expo, they're just like going hard. They have a five-minute timer. Everything has to work in these five minutes or else they're failing. Um, the food is getting too cold, all of that. And in that time, when Carmen is stuck in the fridge, he kind of transforms into a cold robot again. He went from like accepting the love of Claire, having self like self-awareness about uh reclaiming the cannoli, you know what I mean? All of that stuff. He had this like basic self-awareness that Claire was helping him develop to I shouldn't be the one providing people with delight or what was the line? Something like that. Pleasure or happiness. I don't need, I don't need, inter- I don't need entertainment or happiness or something like that. And I should, uh, right. Yeah. I don't need it. And, um, and this is one of those like little movie moments where you're like, ah, would Claire have heard that? No, but of course she walks in on the right moment to hear him do these ramblings, um, across the, the, um, door. Uh, what what did you guys think of his transformation back into Carmi of season one? I'm sure Leah fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just inevitable. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Because he couldn't yeah. in any way compartmentalize it. So he was literally letting his team down and he got he was the benefactor of his own inability to focus, you know, so then he got mad at himself. And if he had just said, can we not talk this one week? And, can, you, you know, you know what I mean? When you like have a big show and you're like, I, I can't take care of family right now. I need to be able to focus on myself, you know? And then he's like, I got to go out front. And Sydney's like, you're going to go out front right now. It's like, just have a week off. Right. Can you not yeah. be in love for a week? Right. Get on some, get on some, get on some medication like the rest of us and push your feelings down <sighs> until everything's just gray and you just move forward and get it done. Yeah. You know, when I was like, so I was making this movie, I was starting to date Jason, whatever. And I'm, and I'm working with, it, it's like, I had one of these conversations 
because my my Richie is Andrew Mendelson, who I made all of my movies with. Um, he's my co-producer. He's my editor. It's like and and it's like when I think of projects, it's like Andrew and like Gabi will write Gabi Alter, who wrote our theme, uh, would write the music. It's like this is this is my team. And like one of the first one of the things that Jason had to witness, which I was like not happy that he witnessed was like me losing my mind at Andrew and Andrew losing his mind at me. And of course, we lost our mind. We were in the just most tense fucking situation trying to make a movie or whatever. But um, and we lose our minds and he witnessed that. And I was just like, oh, no, you're seeing the side of me that is fucking a robot making a movie that will stop at nothing to get this movie done right like that's the side and I don't you it, it doesn't it doesn't fit well in love right like oh yeah love has all these soft edges blah, 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 blah. and like when you're in that kind of project making thing it there are no soft edges you're just fucking barreling through and trying to get it done um and I mean that you know when when Richie and Carmen are like yelling at each other I it's like obvi- obviously they're going to keep working together. You know what I mean? Even though they're saying the worst ever shit to each other. I think the stuff that he said to Claire or not to Claire, he was saying it ab- about him and Claire's relationship, thinking he's saying it to Tina. I think all of that stuff is completely forgivable and they can have a conversation yeah, yeah. and he can be like, listen, I, it, the, the the opening night is so stressful. I was literally locked in a freezer. I, I was, and plus that was, he was more saying those things about himself. He never said really anything negative about Claire. It was just like, you can't yeah. do this. All of that to me can be forgiven and excited. But the shit with Richie, like those were personal attacks on Richie. Mm, like, that, yep, like, yeah. he, like I said, he never once said Claire's so fucking needy and she's a bit like, he never said that. It was just like, you can't do this. But the stuff he said to Richie was just like so hurtful. You're a leech. Yeah, you're a yeah. leech. You'd be nothing without me. And and like to say that after Richie like came and really saved the day and like was really an integral part of this. And also Richie had been so vulnerable with Carmi about like, I feel like y'all are going to cut my ass. You know what I mean? I feel like you're going to yeah. let me go. Like that was hard. Like the, I wasn't mad at Carmi for the Claire stuff. I was real fucking mad at him for the Richie stuff. But listen, they're cousins. They're like brothers. It'll be fuck. It'll be fine. But I think that one's going to be a little bit harder to work through than the Claire shit. It'll be fine, but he's got, but that's sad so, now. I mean, you can't unsay let's, it. Look, so let's close with this. Cause unfortunately, even though we could talk about this forever, we do have to end this show, and I want to close by talking a little bit about our expectations of season three. I mean, I'm sure season three is coming. It's like the highest rated um, Hulu uh, FX um, opening they've ever had. Um, this it's tr- extremely popular with critics, with audiences. So I'm pretty sure this is going to come. This show is going to come back, and in season three, like, what are you most, I guess, worried about? Or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, even know what to ask, but talk to me about season three. I 100% agree with Corey that what he said to Claire is totally forgivable. And I think that's sort of his character. Like, he's got to know himself. Like, he gets so focused in that he says crazy things on that big night, and maybe she shouldn't be there and he should see her afterwards. And I hope they can work that out. He didn't say anything that bad about her but with Richie Richie really stepped into his own he had that moment of silence that they did at the at the where is it was interning and then he got in there and he just rock started out and then to feel so good and then to have Carmi shit on him so hard like he, those were deep cuts those were really bad I'm afraid that 
he's going to fall. I'm really hoping it doesn't happen, but I'm afraid for the next season he's going to fall backwards from that. Mm-hmm. You know, he really made huge, huge leaps, and I'm afraid he's going to fall backwards, um, which I don't want him to. Um so that's my big fear because those were really horrible things to say. And he was just saying, hey, that's a great girl. You know what I mean? And uh, Carmi came in so hard with things, like Corey said, that he was vulnerable about. Obviously, we'll have all the kitchen stuff. Are they going to be able to pay back the money? Are they going to be able to get the star? Uh, all these things. But then I, why am I always most worried about Richie? I don't know. But... <laughs> Right, you don't. So there's like two fall backwards things, right? It's like, will Carmi fall backwards into like his season one like self, where he can't, where he is, where he's not accessible, um, and will Richie fall back? You know, Richie's been bu- buoyed, and will he fall back, or will he then just continue to thrive? I mean, these are all fantastic um, questions for season three, and will his thriving be a source of conflict um, for his relation, his brotherly relationship with Carmen? I think that's absolutely right, Leah. Corey, what what are you? Um, thinking about for season three well first off here's what i think here's what i'm kind of hopeful for is that the mom i think that the way that she was acting in that episode which is like you know we could say selfish uh she wasn't there for them but i could also say uh, finally a moment of self-reflection so it's possible that she's already seeking counsel or going to rehab or something so i think we're going to see that explored which is going to maybe force carmy to start going to some sort of therapy because he realizes Mm. like oh my god i'm becoming my mom i'm letting all these selfish actions push me away from the people that i love so i could see sort of a whole season where we get carmy to finally express his childhood trauma we're gonna have to bury marcus's mom we saw in this episode that he missed the calls from his caretaker and like they don't flat out say it but we know what that means she died you know yeah so we're gonna see him probably who has been this like nothing but positive crushing it he's gonna fall apart um i think that sydney may start feeling bad for how she treated him and maybe start maybe going on dates with him out of sympathy and then that blows up uh, Interesting. That's that's sort of yeah, what I'm Yeah, we didn't thinking. even talk about that because there's so much there's to talk so about much. in these two episodes. Yeah. But Marcus asks her out and she, fucking he fumbles yes. it. She says no. It's like the whole thing was terrible and the tension lasted throughout two episodes. And, um, you know, what a nightmare. But I, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We'll, we'll see some repercussions for Marcus for sure. Yeah, but I think next um, year is going to, I think next season is going to be a very therapy heavy uh season i think like with you mean as for as viewers like we need to go to therapy to be able to handle it Well, maybe yes that too but i think like i've compared this show sort of to ted lasso in a way Uh, it's way different in ways but sometimes it kind of hits those same notes in a way the stylistic of the filming and i think this is going to finally be like carmy's our ted who finally needs to go do this thing you know what i mean not i know he's not like ted in any other way but like you get what i'm saying like this season had more of those standalone episodes that Ted Lasso started to have the one where uh, Marcus goes to Copenhagen really reminded me of the one where coach goes on an acid trip. And then, so I think it's time to like give Carmi therapy. 
Um, all right, folks, I'm so curious to hear what did you think of these last two episodes? They felt fucking epic. I feel like they landed the plane. Do you agree? Hit me up on all of the social medias that we that are also hopefully imploding. Um, <laughs> and um, I want to thank the both of you for joining me. You've been on so many recap episodes. You're both so fucking incredible. Uh, and I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things they do. Corey, Ryan, Forrester, where do they do that? Uh, it's core it's at Corey R. Forrester on all the things. You can go to CoreyRyanForrester.com. That shows all the other stuff you can do, like pre-ordering my book around here and over yonder. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Definitely pre-order that book. And Leah Bonima, where do they find you? Uh for uh a congratulations, Corey, on your book. Thank I'm gonna you. order it as soon as we log off. Oh. Very excited. And I at Leah Bonima, L E A H B O N N E M A, on all of the socials that I am now on all of them, slowly pushing up the hill. If anybody wants to come join me, I would deeply appreciate it. And if you are in Austin on the 30th of July, which is a Sunday, Come out to the Austin Comedy Film Festival during the day. Uh, my film with Ken Rara, The Dawns, is in it. And then we will be at Creek in the Cave at 8 p.m. that evening. Um, folks, like I said, a fantastic evening of comedy awaits you. If you live in Austin, go and see these people. And as for me, you know where to find me on all of the things. Um, if you have any ideas for the next set of recaps we should do, uh, if, even if it's a movie, we haven't done any movies, let me know. I'm at, um, you can reach us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we are open to any and all ideas. I want to thank our wonderful, wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. I want to thank Gabby Alter for our theme music. And I want to thank everyone Headgum for making this show a possibility. Um, and we will be back in your earballs next time. That was a headgum podcast.